Good morning, Grace Church. Great to have you here this morning. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church, and we are continuing with part three of our series called Prayer. And uh, before we get started into the message this morning, I just want to remind us about the importance of being here in the house of God. I talked with a young person last weekend, and uh, they hadn't been in church really um, ever in their life. And uh, she came to church last weekend, and she was overwhelmed with emotion just by experiencing what she experienced. For some of us, you know, we come to church every week, every week, every week, church, 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 every week, every week, every week, church, church, church. And sometimes we can just get so used to what we experience and what we do and singing worships to God and hearing the preaching and teaching of God's word and praying for one another and interacting with one another and fellowshipping with one another. And we can take for granted the experience of church and the importance of church. But this young lady talked with me last weekend and she did not take it for granted. She was overwhelmed with emotion. and She said, I can't even put it into words, but my experience here at Grace Church last weekend was incredible. Man, I heard from God. I met some of the nicest people on the planet. I, I am overwhelmed with emotion. And she just turned around and walked away. Like that's all she could get out of her mouth. But I just want to remind us, church, that what we're doing here, it really matters. It's important. It's important for your spiritual journey. It's important for your relationship with Christ. It's important for your spiritual health. And so I want to thank you for being here. And I, I truly believe and I trust and I know that God is going to speak to you this morning through the message. And so we're continuing with this series called Prayer. And the title of the sermon this morning is Kingdom Come. And we have talked about the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Last week we talked about our Father. That God is our Father. And the importance of that, and understanding that incredibly powerful word, Father. We also, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about our needs. We prayed for one another. Now, I want to remind us, some of us, we met some new people here at Grace Church for the first time. You were encouraged to go to someone that you didn't know and to ask them what needs they have. And then you prayed for their needs. And I want to remind you again that you have the green light as a church. You have the green light as individuals to meet each other's needs. If you find out that someone has a need, maybe they need some firewood, you know, maybe they need some groceries, maybe they need some gas, maybe they just need encouragement, do your best to meet their need. I think that would be so incredibly awesome if we as a church were meeting each other's needs and ministering to one another. But this morning, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. All of us, maybe if you've been in church, um, You've heard that phrase, the kingdom of God. Maybe this is your first time in church and you've actually never really pondered that phrase. But this morning we're going to talk about what the kingdom of God means, what it looks like, what it's all about. You see, the Lord's Prayer can become routine. Just like I was talking about, you can become routine and ritualistic in your church experience. You can mindlessly show up and listen to some bald-headed dude talk and leave unchanged. Okay, And you can also do this in your prayer life. You can just say things again and again without even thinking about it, without feeling it, without understanding it. And sometimes the Lord's Prayer becomes that for many Christians. It becomes routine. It becomes another mindless prayer that you pray if you're not careful. However, it can also become a divine force that unleashes the glorious blessings of God. It can be an incredibly powerful prayer that we pray. 
the Lord's Prayer. So many of us have prayed this. Many of us have said this numerous times. May your kingdom come soon. And many of us have probably said this, we've prayed this maybe without giving it much thought or consideration as to what it even meant. So what is the kingdom of God? What does it mean? What does it look like? How is, may your kingdom come soon, or thine is the kingdom, O Lord. How is that a prayer that literally changes the world? What does it mean? Luke chapter 11, verse 2 says, may your kingdom come soon. Now we've all prayed this prayer, or at least we've heard it prayed, but what if we really understood it? What if we really understood what we were praying? What would you do if God began to answer your prayer? You began to pray, may your kingdom come soon. And you understood that. And you can see how God was answering that prayer that you were praying. You see, when you say those words, may your kingdom come soon, you're involved in a gospel conspiracy. You're involved in a gospel conspiracy to take over the world. You see, God wants everyone, every single person to come to repentance, to come to salvation. God wants every man, woman, child to know him and to be in relationship with him. It's a prayer that changes the course of history and what it begins, where it begins is in your own heart. It begins with you and that's where the kingdom of God is unleashed. So are you ready for that? Like, are you ready for the kingdom of God to come? I don't know if some of us honestly really are. I don't know if we fully comprehend what that means for us. And this morning, hopefully you'll walk away with a little bit of a better understanding of what the kingdom of God is. So I encourage you to do this every week, but I would highly recommend you get a piece of paper, a pen, use your bulletin, um, take some notes, okay? Because I think what I'm going to share with you is awesome. I think it's going to be incredible, all right? So I want you to to learn from it, be encouraged by it. This morning, I want to give you seven biblical truths about the kingdom of God that are revealed in Scripture. And I also want to give you seven ways that this prayer, may your kingdom come soon, seven ways that this prayer changes the world. So it's seven total, not 14, okay? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long sermon, all right? Seven total, okay? The first thing that we learn about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is supernatural. The kingdom of God is supernatural. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The king of this kingdom is God. And his territory includes the whole cosmos. All right? What what is his kingdom? What's his territory? Everything. He is the king of everything. The king is God. But the question of the ages is this. Is your life a part of that territory? Have you willingly given your life, have you willingly given your soul to this king of kings? It's important to know that the kingdom of God, it actually didn't start with the appearance of Jesus here on earth. The kingdom of God has always been. God has always been the king of this kingdom. Psalm uh, 103 verse 19, it says, The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. God has always been the king of this kingdom. So wherever God is, there is his rule and his reign. 
That's where he reigns. That's where he rules. So if you choose not to submit to his spirit, if you choose not to to submit to the spirit of God moving upon your heart or when he's leading you towards himself, if you resist the spirit of God, the kingdom of God still exists. The kingdom of God is still going to advance. The kingdom of God is still going to go forward with or without you. The kingdom of God is on the move. The kingdom of God is going to exist. It's going to continue forward. The person who prays, may your kingdom come soon, is surrendering his or her will to the reign of God in your life. You're submitting yourself to this king. You're submitting yourself to this kingdom. You see, this prayer changes the world through a conviction that God must be glorified in your heart and in the hearts of others. May your kingdom come soon. The kingdom of God is supernatural. Number two, we learn that the kingdom of God is messianic. Okay? What I mean by that is we have all been allowed access into this kingdom through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. So when I say messianic, that means the Messiah has come. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that was predicted to come in the Old Testament, and he came. He's the Messiah. In Jesus, our king has come. He's here. In Matthew's letter, Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, he was an eyewitness, an ear witness to the teachings and to the things that Jesus did. Matthew said this about an experience that he had with Jesus Christ. Jesus was being accused by the religious leaders of that day. Okay, You've got to be very careful of religious leaders, just so you know, all right? All right, be really careful, religious leaders. But they were accusing Jesus of that day because Jesus was healing people. He was causing the blind to see. He was healing people that couldn't walk. And they were saying that Jesus was doing this as a uh, demonic power, that he was doing this from the power of the devil. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, Jesus said, If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. I mean, why would the the kingdom of darkness, why would the kingdom of darkness want people to see? That's not what the kingdom of darkness is all about, but the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, is all about freedom. It's about helping people to see, helping people to be restored, helping people to be healed. You see, every person healed, every demon cast out, every word spoken to lead people to Jesus was and is an advancement of the kingdom of God in this world. The kingdom of God is advancing. So as the people of God, okay, you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a a son or a daughter of the king of kings, of God. And as the people of God, you are supernaturally empowered by Jesus to pour out the gospel of Jesus Christ across the globe. You have the ability. You have the power. You have been equipped by God to do this. You see, this morning when a G-Kids teacher puts her arm around one of the students downstairs, she is advancing the kingdom of God. 
This, this prayer, may your kingdom come soon, is being answered. Tonight, Pastor Chris is going to be giving a lesson to, to the youth group, to the high school ministry. And when he speaks the word of God into the hearts of those teenagers, the kingdom of God will come into a heart of a young man or a young woman. That's advancing the kingdom of God. Tomorrow, a banker is going to meet with a client. Maybe that banker will pray with or pray for that client. That's advancing the kingdom of God. This week, a football coach is going to encourage one of his athletes to, you know, to, to, to tuck the ball, to make sure you carry it high and tight, and you hit the hole, and make sure you go the right way. And Man, you can do this in the power of Christ. That football coach is advancing the kingdom of God by being an encouragement, by being a light on his team. You see, in each of these ways, the kingdom of God is coming. Like, I think if we understood this, that the way we interact with other people, the way we minister, when we speak the word of God, when we pray with people, we are advancing the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you pray, may your kingdom come soon, you're inviting the king, you're inviting Jesus Christ to move into your life. You're inviting him to move into the lives of other people and to transform their lives. You are praying for new life. You're praying for eternal life. This is how this prayer, may your kingdom come soon, this is how it changes the world. Number three, the kingdom of God is revolutionary. It's revolutionary. You see, the kingdom of God comes from the inside out. And it always brings about change. If you have had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, you will be changed. All right? If, if you're just playing the game of religion and church, and you're like, man, this is, I just get nothing out of it. I never have. I don't think I ever will. You have not met Jesus. Because when you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, your life is different. You're changed. You're not the same. You can't be. The kingdom of God comes from the inside out, and it always brings about change. It's no wonder that people, in, in Jesus' day when he was walking on, the, on this earth, they were confused about the kingdom of God. And today, people are still confused about the kingdom of God. Once, when Jesus was being asked by the Pharisees, like, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Jesus replied this way in Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. He said, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, oh, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Kingdom of God is within you. Did you hear that? Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. So it's not a physical kingdom first. In fact, it's not about land. It's not about armies. It's not about money. It's not about earthly power. In fact, the kingdom, the king of this kingdom, he won the victory on a cross. That's how he won the victory, was by giving his life on a cross. You know, some of, the, some of the greatest subjects of the kingdom of God have been killed because of their faith in this king. 
I would also say that many of the subjects of this kingdom, this kingdom of God, they look old and frail. Many of the subjects of this kingdom, the kingdom of God, they look weak. Maybe they look small in the eyes of the world. But through Christ, they are the most powerful. They are the most powerful. You see, the kingdom, through faith in Jesus Christ, it starts within you. And it grows from there. The kingdom of God is within you. It's an internal change. It's a heart change. It's a mindset that's different. It starts within you, and then it flows outward. This is how this prayer changes the world. When you say, may your kingdom come, you're you're praying that God would change you from the inside out. You see, it's easy for a lot of us in church to kind of make sure the exterior looks good, make sure we're wearing the right things, make sure we say the right things, and we kind of fool people. But God sees the heart, and he knows. He knows. You can't fool him. And that's where the kingdom of God is revolutionary, because it changes you from the inside out. Number four, the kingdom of God is opposed. Maybe you you knew this, maybe you didn't, but there are two kingdoms at work in this world, and they are at war with each other. I mean, they are clashing. They are at war. The Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders, he said this in a letter that he wrote to a church in the city of Corinth. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, Satan, who is the God, small g, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. You see, the the struggles and and the craziness that we face on this planet, the the hardships, the, the death, the destruction that we see in this world, it is the result of our great enemy, Satan. It is the result of our enemy, death. But see, what happens is God gets the blame for all of this destruction and death and hardship. God is the one that always gets the blame. But his kingdom, okay, the kingdom of God is the opposite of what we see and what we experience in this world. His kingdom is about redemption. The kingdom of God is about restoration. The kingdom of God is about peace. His kingdom brings light and hope and healing and love. His kingdom is not of this world. So when you experience the hardships and the the death or the destruction or the, the chaos that this world brings, that is not the kingdom of God. That's not what he intends for your life. But yet we live in this broken world. And there is going to be struggle. There is going to be hardship. There's going to be a struggle in your heart. There is going to be territory in your heart or in your mind that is unclaimed by Christ because we haven't fully surrendered to Him. Through man, Satan, listen, Satan cannot have your soul. But he seeks to hold territory in your heart. If you are a, 
a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he cannot have your soul, but he wants to have control of the territory of your heart. And are you fully surrendered to Christ? Have you fully surrendered your life to the Father? You see, Christ calls each of us to, to see, to, to examine, to search our heart, to see where the enemy has territory. Like, where, where have I not fully surrendered to God? And we are called to turn from darkness and run towards the light to follow Jesus Christ. You see, His kingdom brings light. His kingdom brings hope and healing and love. This is how this prayer changes the world. And you are a part of a war, a spiritual war. And the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, they are opposed. Number five, the kingdom of God is missional. You see, the kingdom of God has come to destroy the kingdom of Satan. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are on the winning team. You are already victorious. The Apostle Paul said this. This is an incredible verse. And you, I don't know, this this excites me. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, how it's going to look. But I know that I'm going to be a part of something incredibly, incredibly awesome. Romans 16 Verse 20, the first part, it says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? Under your feet. That's, that's us. That's you and I. Like, we're going to be a part of crushing the enemy. That's awesome. That's cool, because I've always wanted to be a warrior. All right? Like, where's my sword? Who am I crushing today? You know? The enemy, Satan will be crushed under our feet. We get to play a part in the kingdom of God advancing. But see, so many of us, we we get it mixed up. We we do think it's going to advance with warfare and, and weaponry and tanks and planes and bombs, but that's not how the kingdom of God advances. It, it advances with love. It advances in a completely different way that's foreign to us. It advances with encouragement. It advances with speaking the truth in love. It advances by following the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God is missional. You see, before Christ came to earth, Satan was loose upon the earth, and the earth was held in darkness. And when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, the church... The church is not a building. The church is people. You and I are the church. But when he rose again, the church was unleashed with the gospel to go into all the world. So we, the church, the people, not the building, we, the church, have been given the assignment by God to bring peace, to reconcile people back to God, to paint the true story of God that he's not against you, he's for you. We have been assigned to be agents whom God does his incredible redeeming work through. The church, listen, this is so important for us to understand. If if you've grown up in church and you're like, man, it's just so boring. It's just the same week after week, you know. Listen, the church should be the most adventuresome, forward-thinking, victorious, 
fearless, peacemaking people on this planet. The church should not be boring. We are advancing this kingdom of God. Some of you are thinking right now, okay, but man, maybe you, ha- maybe you struggle with a little fear. You're like, but man, the Bible says Satan's like a roaring lion, you know, and he's walking around looking for people to chew up and to devour. Like, how does this, I don't understand. Like, God has won the victory, but yet I see so much destruction and death and hardship and divorces and suicides. And it's like, it doesn't seem like we're winning, Justin. I, I love how Philip Ryken, he, he said this in a book that he wrote on the Lord's Prayer. He, he described the situation by comparing it to how the Allies defeated Nazi Germany in the 1940s. He said, for, for all intents and purposes, World War II was over on D-Day when British and American troops established a beachhead in France. Okay, so D-Day, when we won that battle, it, it was like victory. And then he goes on to say, there were still battles to be fought, of course, and lives would be lost. But from that point on, the Nazis were fighting a losing battle. All that remained was for the Allies to liberate Europe. And I love that perspective because the cross for us as Christians was D-Day. And Jesus came back to life. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered Satan. And our mission now is to just liberate the world. We've already won. There's going to be some battles. There's still going to be some hardships. There's going to be some people that, you know, experience uh, death and hardships. But the battle, the war, has already been won. So at the cross, the devil was defeated. And battles still rage across the earth. Battles still rage in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. But Christ is the victor. He's already won. The war has been won. The enemy is exposed. The enemy is losing ground. Christ is gaining ground. The enemy is going to be vanquished. The enemy is going to be completely crushed. So when you pray, God, may your kingdom come soon, it's being answered. It's changing the world. It really is. Number six, the kingdom of God is everlasting. The kingdom of God is everlasting. Throughout history, you're going to find that there was many kingdoms. Kingdoms have come and gone. There was a time when the Roman Empire ruled the world, but now Rome is just a city in Italy. (laughs) It's not an empire. Remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? Daniel was the one who prayed every single day when it was against the law to pray, and they threw him in a lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying to God. He lived in a place called Babylon. And Babylon used to be the biggest city in the world. But now you can't even find Babylon on a modern day map. It's gone. It came and it left. Over time, every single kingdom or country, it just comes and goes, eventually just becoming another story in history. But God's kingdom is not like that. 
God's kingdom doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. It is everlasting. God's kingdom will never become just a story in a history book. The kingdom of God will last forever. You're a part of something incredible in the kingdom of God. Lastly, number seven. The kingdom of God is personal. You see, the kingdom of God is a present-day reality. But what happens is it requires your response. You just can't sit idle when it comes to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God requires a decision. You see, it's simple. You can continue to give your life or your energy to the kingdom of this world, or you can choose to give your life and your energy to the kingdom of God. There's two different paths. There's two different kingdoms, and it's your choice. I'm going to finish with the words of Joshua. Joshua was an incredible leader in the Old Testament, leading the people of Israel. And he uh, was speaking to an entire nation who had lost their way. And I think these words are very, very important for us, very critical for us. So he reminds this nation that had lost their way of a few things. He says this in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua says, So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, the idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Joshua is saying, if if you're not going to choose to follow God, then who's it going to be? You're going to serve somebody. You're going to give your life to something. So so who's it going to be? Who are you going to give your life to? Who are you going to serve? Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Okay, to kind of put it in our modern day text, I think Joshua would have said, is it going to be the God of money? Is it going to be the God of sports? Is it going to be the God of accumulating more and more stuff? I mean, how much stuff do you need? Is it going to be the God of trying to make everybody happy? Is it going to be the beer God, right? I mean, who are you giving your life to? Who's it going to be? And then he says these most famous words. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Like that is a decision. That doesn't just happen by accident. That is a decision. That is a stance. That is like ready for war. I don't know what's going to happen, what the enemy is going to bring, but my family, we are going to serve the Lord. I love that. I love that. You see, the kingdom of God is personal and it requires a decision. And I hope and pray that you will make the decision to give your life to Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth. I hope and pray that you will choose to give your life to the Lord Almighty. And when you pray, may your kingdom come soon. When you say those things, you are praying a prayer that changes the world. It's an incredibly powerful prayer.